Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Crown Radio, an unapologetically Christian Reconstructionist talk show for your edification and your enjoyment. Jesus is king, and because of that, there is no neutrality, no exile, and there is certainly no surrender. My name is Jason. With me here is my friend John. How are we doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? You're all, I'm okay. I'm all right. Yeah. Hanging in there. <laughs> Struggling after last night's uh, circus. That was the presidential debate. Still recovering from the debate, huh? Oh, it was rough. It was really, really rough. Who do you but think won? Nobody won. No one won. Everyone <laughs> lost. America lost. Especially America. <laughs> the world lost, too. Uh, but, you know, I thought maybe, man, that'd be good. maybe it'll be good fodder for an episode, but... I don't really, th- I mean, with all the whining and... It's not. It's not good. It's, it's not, not good. really good fodder. Um, so we won't do that. Plenty of people are covering it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm fine with I'm sure we'll have comments it. as we get closer to the election, as it were, anyway. I'll, I'll say that you shouldn't really uh, pass up an opportunity to condemn white supremacy. Yes, that uh, is true. No reason to pass up that opportunity. Not, nah. No, don't need to deflect it. Just say it. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Anyhow, hello, everyone. (laughs) Glad you're with (laughs) us. A couple housekeeping things for you. Reminder to hit the subscribe button. You can find us on iTunes, Google Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. We are just about everywhere you can find podcasts, so you shouldn't have trouble with us. Uh, Let us know if you do, because that'd be news to us. But we would appreciate you hitting subscribe. Tell your friends, your family, your church groups, uh, all those types of people. Let them know where you can find us. And also a reminder that Crossing Crown Radio is now at Lamb's Rain Media. You can go to lambsrain.com, check out the articles there. We have contributors that are always um, adding content uh, here and there. We have folks of, of a lot of different, well, places all over the world, actually, which is yeah. kind of cool. But contributors that like to put some stuff there, so make sure uh, you check it out, updates and so on so forth there. And if you want to support the work, what should they do? Go to lambsrain.com slash support. We are listener and viewer supported only. So if you like what we're doing, if you've been uh, blessed by what we're doing, edified by what we're doing, please feel free to you know throw some bucks our way. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us keep the lights on. It helps us pay for the post-production software that we use. And uh, ultimately, it's going to help us buy the fancy golden jet. Yes, we need a jet. Yeah. Like better than Creflo Dollars. What was it? $65 million jet. Yeah, that's chunk change. Yeah. So we, yeah. Need, we need $100 we're, million. we're completely in it for the money. Yes. A hundred percent. Exactly. Oh, we're, we're in my basement, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's actually kind of funny because we're tech issues have oh, uh, yeah. plagued us. So We also recorded some of this episode yesterday and earlier tonight. Yes. So we're asking for your prayer, actually. You can do that. It's going to be a great episode, though. Yeah, I think it, I think it will be. Um, again, lambsrain.com slash CCR. You can find us there. Tonight's episode... We are going to dive into some heavy stuff. Uh, We want to talk about the doctrine of interposition and the gospel and the law of God and how those things apply, uh, especially in an age of rampant tyranny, rampant um, encroachments on civil liberties that are pretty basic, those types of things. So yeah, interposition, that's the name of the game tonight. So big topic. Any words of preface that you want to give? (laughs) 
Well, it is a term, it is an idea that is often talked about in the fight against abortion. Mm -hmm. So if you've been around the pro-life movement for a long time or the anti-abortion or the abolitionist movement for a long time, it might be a term that you've heard, um, especially in regards to maybe Operation Rescue, the rescue movement, or sometimes even violent vigilantism. Mm -hmm. So it is a big topic. Uh, I think at the forefront, we want to say that there are very good, righteous forms of interposition. Absolutely. And there's also forms of interposition that we would even question whether or not it's real interposition. Mm -hmm. It's not ethically neutral. It's not ethically neutral. And we would say interposition, um, just I guess we should start with something simple. What is it? It is basically putting yourself in between somebody else for their good. It is to interpose on their behalf. So it's basically a form of intervention where you are, you know, putting yourself in harm's way or perhaps even physical danger to protect somebody else. Mm -hmm. The standing in the gap to use Ezekiel's language. Exactly. uh, Oftentimes the watchman or um, when we talk about magistrates and the role of civil magistrates, there's a lot of consideration. And the big thing, of course, is the person who you are interposing for is receiving some semblance of injustice. That's right. Which is biblically defined. Biblically defined. And so we wouldn't just say, oh, it's unjust because the state said so or said not, whatever the case may right. be. We want to be clear that this is rooted in the gospel and the law of God. Mm-hmm. So those are, if you will, the presuppositions. We're mm-hmm. just, when we lay our card, cards <laughs> on the table, we're, we're thinking about God's word. We take it as true. It's pure. It's holy. It's the Holy Bible for a reason. It's authoritative. And so we need to know what it says about certain acts of, quote unquote, injustice. Right. So that we can be informed accordingly. And like I alluded to already, whenever you're talking about fighting against injustice, whenever you're talking about uh, perhaps interposing on behalf of, say, the preborn, questions regarding violence or vigilantism, is they almost always come up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know I've I've been a part of dozens of conversations about this myself. Uh, I've heard lectures on it. I've helped re- wrote, I've helped write an article on it. And it just always comes up whenever you are deep in the trenches, trenches of the pro-life movement. There's always people that bring it up. And I think it's usually from a good heart. Mm-hmm. It's usually from a place where people are wanting to do justice, but we should say at the outset, uh, early in this podcast, before we go much, much further is that we believe that abortion will be abolished and we believe that other so- social injustices will be abolished by the power of the gospel, not through the power of violence. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly important, is that we reject those violent means as a means to attain justice. Right. So don't detach interposition from the larger framework framework of abolitionism. That's right. So abolition101.com, great website. Mm-hmm. Uh you and I and a few others <laughs> came together and tried to put something here. So we have the doctrine in place. So we know what we're saying, what we mean by injustice is abolished in Jesus name by the power of the gospel, by the, by the law word of God being used. So that anchors us. So vigilantism is inter- interposition. That's right. For what reason? Uh, we would say it's not interposition or true interposition because it doesn't actually get to that bar of biblical justice that we need, mm-hmm. that we require. Um, again, I think there are people who are well-intentioned who might hold this idea, but we want to be very clear that we we reject that sort of um, almost autonomous criminality 
Mm-hmm. And we have some reasons that we think are good reasons for why we'd reject that. Mm-hmm. And we would say that this is primarily because we are abiding by God's law, not man's law. Right. So whatever we say going forth on why we're opposed to this kind of violence, it's not because we're just merely respecting man's law. Mm-hmm. It's actually because we're respecting God's law. Yes. We don't fear man, fear God sort of thing. That's The fear right. of man is a trap, Proverbs says. So vigilantism tends to be rooted in more of a humanistic, autonomous thought. Yeah. Interposition is a very biblical thought. It's biblically saturated. Mm-hmm. And so we're just, as far as definitions go, that's what we're working with. Right. Uh, and going from there. So then the question of violence comes. Yeah, it's a huge comes question. Comes into play. When, because you have um, well-meaning and well-intentioned people who see the atrocity of the abortion holocaust, for example, and they get very hot and frustrated with it. Yeah, and they're zealous, and, and that's that's not bad. Mm-hmm. They should be zealous for justice. Righteous anger is a, is a great thing. Right. We should be okay with that. Jesus was righteous, righteously angry at the Pharisees, at the injustice done to those who were under the boot of Rome or those who were under the boot of even the religious leaders themselves. That's right. yeah. So it's good to be angry. It's good to be frustrated. Um, and frankly, I think it's it's very good to, to let people know that that's the case, of course. So then now we have to say, okay, when when do we use justice? Or excuse me, violence. When do we use when violence? When do we use violence? That's a huge question. And I have a couple of points. And I think whenever you come to a question like this, you have to be really humble because uh, we don't have it all figured out. But right. I, I do have some basic bullet points, and I'm sure it could be sharpened. I'm sure somebody could throw a hypothetical at me that would really make me scratch my head. <laughs> but here's some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, take it or leave it. I would say the first point uh, the first situation in which violence is justified is whenever violence is a form of civil justice. Mm-hmm. So that would be when the violence is the civil magistrate acting justly. And I think whenever we say that, we have to be careful because a lot of people would probably assume that we're talking about, say, like law enforcement officers or juries and courts. And I think that's oftentimes the case. That is one certainly mm-hmm. valid form of a civil magistrate. But we, because we're theonomists, because we're um, freedom-loving, loving, liberty-loving people, we're not looking at the civil magistrate in terms of statism. Right. So a civil magistrate doesn't actually have to be a employee of the state. A civil magistrate doesn't have to be on the payroll of Fauquier County or mm-hmm. the federal government or the state of Virginia. A civil magistrate has to be representative of the people and the laws of the people. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely important that a civil magistrate isn't just somebody who is upset who then gives himself a plastic badge from Walmart mm-hmm. that I'm is the a sheriff. police officer badge, right? <laughs> like just because you can't just declare yourself civil magistrate. And and the reason why is a word that you 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 said there. So yeah. don't miss the word here. This is important. Representation. Yeah. One of the books we love is from Dr. Gary North. It's called When Justice is Aborted. If you haven't read it, you should. You can get a free PDF online and uh, we'll be able to link to that in the notes. But I want to read um, some sentences, a couple paragraphs from this, just to explain the working paradigm. Yeah, it's, it's up there. It's right there. I saw somewhere. it earlier. Yeah. I was like, hey. <laughs> somewhere up there. Yeah. Mine's somewhere packed, I think. But <laughs> I read it years ago, and, and I have the digital copy in front of me. So let me read from Dr. North. He says, Christians must protest against injustice. Again, that's a presupposition we're holding. There's an injustice. We should preach against it. And he even goes on. He says, this is basic to evangelism. 
So if you want to share the gospel with people, you need to be poking at the idols, and the idols are there wherever the injustice is. So if you don't have that category in place, this show may be confusing to you. But we're working with that presupposition that evil exists, that injustice is perpetrated upon victims, and we should come to the aid of the victim in some capacity. So he goes on. If we preach against sin, then we must preach against injustice. But how is this to be done biblically? It must be done representatively. So that's the word that John used, representation. The Christian who gets involved in an organized protest against civil injustice is acting as a covenantal agent, another key word, on someone else's behalf. He is interposing himself and his associates in between a corrupt civil government and its innocent victims. This is why we say that he is acting representatively. Thus, before a Christian joins such a protest or movement, he should have some idea about the biblical doctrine of representation. This doctrine, if properly understood, leads to another doctrine, the doctrine of interposition. Here we are. The biblical doctrine of representation begins with the concept of the covenant. So we're covenantalists, the foundation of all lawful government. It should be obvious that the most important representative agent in man's history was Jesus Christ, who interposed himself in between God the Father and rebellious humanity. Without this interposition, there would never have been history. On the day that Adam sinned, God would have killed him, body and soul. It is only because God looked forward in history to Jesus Christ's act of interposition that he spared the family of man. This was an interposition of grace between God's sovereign justice and judicially guilty mankind, for man deserved to die. Jesus Christ interposed himself judicially and physically. How much more should Christians become involved in interposition between injustice and judicially innocent victims? Awesome quote. Yeah. <laughs> it's on page that's, 45. That's fire. Yeah. If you want to know it. But representation is key. This is why you can't go to Walmart, get a badge, and say, I'm the new sheriff. Every, everyone follow me. That's right. So there's a covenantal agent who is uh, representing some sort of group, some sort of uh, movement, if you will, that wants to uh, interpose, interject. How many people, you know, we'll get into that later, I think. Sure. But how yeah. many people is a question that we want to want to address. But the point for now is representation, covenantal agency. Those are key, key things. Yeah. A hundred percent. And this would lead to different questions. Of course. Um, one question that was asked on Facebook, we, we asked some questions in some groups and, uh, we'll probably be doing that fairly regularly is what about destroying say, um, symbols of idolatry. Mm -hmm. I believe that came from Jed. What about destroying symbols of idolatry? Because that would be an act of maybe not violence against people, but destruction of property, which depending on how you define terms could be an act of violence. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's the big issue is one, is there representation? Is there an authority that's being um, exercised in terms of God and his law word? Are we, are we taking those proper channels? Because if you're just a lone guy, um, you know, running in toppling statues, you, for one, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> Somebody's going to come after you. But if you have a genuine movement of the people to put pressure on a magistrate or to put pressure in some, some capacity, then yeah, I mean, you're, you're covenantally acting in the authority of God to say no to these idols. Now we're talking statues. Sure inanimate objects like lust and greed, those are dislodged through other means. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as statues, um, you know, we talked about uh, King George and, right. the, and the 
Boston Harbor. Yeah, exactly. The statue of King George in Boston Harbor that was destroyed by effectively a mob of, yeah. of patriots during the Revolutionary War, right after the Revolutionary War. And that could oftentimes be seen as just a senseless mob. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the people that were representing the people of Boston were in support of that destruction. Yeah. They were standing by and they were allowing and even endorsing and even participating in the destruction of those idols. Mm-hmm. And so we can extend this beyond just statues because I think it clearly pertains to statues, whether it's statues of King George um, or it could also pertain to statues of uh, Confederate generals who were slaveholders or it could even apply to something like an abortion clinic, uh, the, the building itself being a symbol or maybe a a sign that is advertising some great injustice could be abortion again, could be Mm -hmm. something else. Uh, Could we go ahead and justifiably destroy those? And I think we have to ask the question, it's like, well, are we representing the people and the law of the land when we do so? Mm -hmm. If we're not, then we're not actually acting as a civil magistrate. And you're, you're also touching on something in both scenarios. We're talking about these idols coming down after a successful campaign. That's right. Right. The, the American Revolution being the one example. So as far as reading the land of idols, it it obviously requires repentance at the at the forefront. <laughs> and the, and well, that happened, we see in throughout Old Testament history as well. This king decides to set up these altars. The next king come along comes along and says, no, we're done with that. We're going to rid the land of idolatry, tear down the high places. It's called um, altars to Baal and all these other, other false gods. So I think they're... You can't isolate one incident and say, hey, let's go tear this statue down. Well, maybe there's context there, judicially speaking, also context just being wise and judicious as a person who's trying to effect change. Don't just go spray paint it or try to tip it over with your truck. Right. You know? These <laughs> acts, if, if they're ever justified, that's a big if, right? Mm-hmm. If they're ever justified, shouldn't it be acts that are just um, you venting your frustration or anger? Even if your frustration and anger is justified, uh, destruction of property or violence against image bearers of God isn't a opportunity for you to therapeutically vent upon something else mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. somebody else. Right. It's not about you. Right. It needs to be. It needs to be about actual justice, as opposed to you. Um, think of a better term, like venting out your frustrations. Yeah. And those frustrations can be extremely justified. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're not. Yeah. And so there's another question in that, though, with regard to interposition for police. I know we had some questions on that. Right. When can we interpose against maybe a corrupt police officer mm-hmm. or corrupt DA? Well, I I was angry at the George Floyd situation when Derek Chavon had his knee on his neck. Yeah. And, and in that moment, we know he died. Um, th- would he have died had he been, you know, handcuffed like normal? Um I, I don't think so. What, regardless of what he had in his system, mm-hmm. he was clearly choked to death. So when I saw that video, and it, I cried immediately, especially when he's calling out to his mother, yeah. just helpless, and other cops just standing there letting it happen, that sort of thing. So in that moment, I'm thinking, well, would it have been justified for someone carrying a gun or a Worse, you know, if not a gun or some sort of stick, hit it, hit hit the cop over the head to get him off of him because he's killing him. Is that interposition? Would that have been just? I think we have to say yes. I think so. It's it would have been just because cops don't have 
well, special rights. Well, they do have qualified immunity. <laughs> they shouldn't have special rights. Biblically, and this has to be said, right? And it could get us in trouble, but it's okay. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Biblically speaking, according to God's word, there is not legal partiality between a police officer and a regular citizen. Mm-hmm. So take what happened to George Floyd, take away the badges, take away the uniforms. If those were just people, mm-hmm. would somebody been justified to intervene and to interpose on behalf of George Floyd and save his life? Mm-hmm. I would say the obvious answer is yeah. Yeah. I yep. think I think so. Mm-hmm. Cop, I think so. Cop or no cop, it doesn't matter. The badge doesn't. The, you have to yeah. count the cost mm-hmm. for sure. But I think that would be justified. Now, of course, in you know, in hindsight, we know he was going to be killed, right? Mm-hmm. But before he actually died, we didn't know that he was going to be killed. Right. Um, I think it was a fairly reasonable guess, considering what was going on. And right? knee on his neck for other a long people time. standing by saying, "You're killing him! You're killing him!" It's it was horrendous, and um, it's hard to talk about still. Yeah. You know, months and months later, it's still difficult to talk about. But I, I think we look at that situation as almost a a um, a test, if you will, of how serious we are about this lacking of partiality that mm-hmm. God's law mm-hmm. teaches. And we think that there are legitimate places in society for law enforcement, mm-hmm. but we don't believe that law enforcement is a sort of uber citizen that mm-hmm. has these extra list of rights and r- rules, or, or I would say uh, res- um, basically privileges. Mm-hmm. Executive privilege. Kind of privileges. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it that way, I, I think you have to say, yeah, that could have been a form of interposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I agree, definitely. So violence is justified when it's a form of justice. Justice. So it does require discernment. It does require wisdom. And frankly, it does, it does require... Uh, wisdom from God's word and knowing what God's word yeah. says on certain things. If it's uh, principles uh, uh, against rape or uh, a thief breaking into your home, you know, there are things in God's word that, you know, Exodus 22 uh, regarding the thief breaking and, and so on and so forth. So that's the first principle with regard to interposition. When it when it comes to violence, it has to be a form of justice. And we're speaking primarily of the civil magistrate to the cop thing real quick, it just reminded me that that's why we need judicial, uh, you know, reconstruction <laughs> locally. Because when you have the executive power going around and acting like a big bully, these are the things that happen. And that's why we would call it systemic injustice. Because right. it's unhinged from God's law. It's unhinged from justice. It's actually part of the policies and the structures of those institutes. Yep. yep. Yeah. So that's tied to other reformation and reconstructing things. But it's it's important for this. That's right. Second point. Yeah. Second point is just war. So violence is justified when it's a form of justice and violence is justified when it's just war. Uh, We're just going to touch on this a little bit because just war theory could be an entire episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of these actually could be. Um, But we would say something like the American Revolution would be very different from, say, the French Revolution. Mm -hmm. And that's for a number of reasons. Um, I would say... First of all, the American Revolution is better understood as a form of secession, as a, um, a group of people in a particular geopolitical area, mm-hmm. a particular geographical area, who wanted to have their own political identity separate from the yeah, British from, Empire. From the king. Yep. Right, exactly. Um, they weren't trying to overthrow London. They weren't trying to kill the king. They, they didn't, weren't trying to overthrow yeah. that government. They were wanting their own independence. Yep. So in a technical 
since it might not even be rightly called a revolution mm-hmm. uh, because there wasn't any revolution over Great Britain um, because they weren't interested in that. They yeah. wanted their own independence. They weren't necessarily trying to overthrow yeah. um, the king. And it was principled. You had the colonies who had representation from people who came right. together. Obviously, it, you had the Declaration of Independence being birthed out of that, a formal yeah. document. That's right. So this isn't just a bunch of guys who grabbed their guns and said, let's go to London and kill everyone. No, exactly. And and there wasn't 100% consensus, of course, mm-hmm. right? But there was consensus eventually. And a lot of work went into it. Mm-hmm. There's some guys out there, you know, on the social media land who talks a big talk about their boogaloo and their, yeah. <laughs> and their, their AR-15s and their, um, basically their GI Joe cosplaying. And, <laughs> yeah. and I don't think they're ever going to put in the work needed into actually having a justified yeah. secession in that sense. And there are a lot of people who, who want the boogaloo, right? They right. just, they're ready for some, all right, somebody shoot because we're coming and there that's, are things That's happening. autonomy. That's it anarchism. Is. That's not actually a principled view of just war or justified secession. Yeah. There's no representation. There's no covenantal covenantalism. It's just people wanting to do their own thing. Yeah. It's really just as it simple It does as become uh, chest pounding, <laughs> chest thumping. Oh, yeah. It's all about that. Uh, uh, hear me roar. So, Tactical. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. just just war is is a perfectly reasonable biblical argument for violence, and by violence, of course, we maybe should have said this earlier, but we're not saying just indiscriminate violence. Of course not. Violence right? in terms of force and power to stop the injustice, leading up to death, perhaps of the of the perpetrator. Yeah, that sort of thing. So, so yeah, just war, and then uh, a third principle is self defense. Mm-hmm. So self defense being. Um, a myriad of different things, potentially situations. Um, I personally carry daily. Um, I, I, I like the presence of my 45 because I want to protect myself and I want to protect my family and my friends and my neighbor. So for me, uh, I, I need to be able to at least match what some potential intruder could do or perpetrator could do to my person and to you. Right. If we're hanging out, I want to be able to you know, as your friend, as you, we're brothers in Christ, we want to preserve life and we should be preserving life all the way through. That's right. Not just when it's convenient. The theological principle would be, you know, my own life, I am created in the image of God. So I have a duty to try to preserve my own life just as much as I have a duty to preserve somebody else's mm-hmm. life. Exactly. So self-defense, intruders breaking into the home, a lot of that goes into castle doctrine, things like that. And, and of course there are, Issues where that's obscured, and perhaps it was actually an aggression. An aggression, and those are very hard judicial cases. Yeah. Lack of witnesses. I think of Trayvon Martin. That right. whole situation. Yeah. There are very difficult ones, but there is a justification in Scripture for violence with regard to self-defense. That's right. So, what's our last one? Interposition. So we have four points of when violence could could be justified. Um, when it's a form of justice, when it's a form of just war, when it's self-defense, and then lastly, interposition. So it's similar to self-defense, mm-hmm. but it's it's other-focused. Um, and I, I, there's this is obviously the point of the episode, so yeah. it's going to be a little bit longer. And I think there's a lot of things that need to be said about this. Yeah. First of all, it, ha- it actually has to be real interposition, meaning that if we're going to call something interposition, we have to be able to actually show that what we're doing is saving life 
or mm-hmm. actually in a real way answering injustice or standing in the way of injustice. Yeah. It's and not it, hypothetical. You know, it's actually yeah. doing something productive. And the, the hard part about this too is there are going to be people who say, well, what, what if, what if, what if, what if? So again, with humility, we're proposing these things because we've scratched our heads over this for a long, a long, long time. Yeah. Just trying to nail down what, when is it okay or what to what end or what means and, and those things. So it does require, again, a, bi- a biblical precedent. So you said a single act of violence and systemic problems. That's right. So, so what we do, have to make that distinction, that right? What do we mean by a single act of violence? So Somebody at the store? Yeah, exactly. We have to make the distinction between a single act of violence that we are essentially interposing against mm-hmm. versus a systemic injustice or systemic violence. So a systemic violence would be, for example, an unhinged police force using right. unchecked, kind of what we said already, but unchecked executive privilege and power to coerce others physically into most likely obeying some false law anyway, mm-hmm. a humanistic law. So that would be a systemic problem over against a single act of violence. I'm walking alone down the street by myself and someone tries to mug me. Right, exactly. You always have the right to interpose on behalf of somebody else in these singular acts of violence. That's actually a simple thing, yeah. right? You have the right to stand against say, brigands on the road, right. to use like biblical language, thieves, muggers. Uh, you have the right to stand against somebody who's assaulting another person unjustifiably, right? Uh, somebody's being kidnapped or perhaps sexually assaulted or anything like that. We have the right, and I would say even the duty, to interpose on behalf of the innocent victim yeah. to protect them. Yeah. But that's the distinction. Those are single acts, but then there's these massive systemic structural problems And the first thing I said about interposition is that it actually has to be effective Mm -hmm. in what it's trying to do. So let's kind of go back to what we've been talking about with something like abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people have justified, and and again, we we denounce this, Mm -hmm. but some people have justified uh, violent acts against abortion doctors or destructive acts against abortion clinics. Mm -hmm. And obviously the first one being far more severe, even to the point of of a a man named Paul Hill going and shooting an abortionist mm-hmm. and justifying that by saying that he was essentially interposing on behalf of the preborn mm-hmm. that what he was doing was saving lives and there's others like uh, Scott Roeder is another example who's who've done similar things uh, there's actually been many cases of violence against abortion clinics mm-hmm. and abortion doctors uh, not a lot of them are publicized and it's really not the point of this podcast to go through all the details yeah. but it's something that has happened and continues to happen yeah and so we are against that for all of the reasons we've already talked mm-hmm. about and trying to be very principled that's the other thing this is not just that's that's where vigilantism uh, vigilantism comes in right say that word 15 times vigilantism Vigilant. yeah <laughs> but that's why yeah so you, there are legitimate people out there who do think of uh, on such things yeah. what, what if i could cut the power lines to the and of course that's minor and compared to i should just go in there and and find the doctor and kill him right away in the act or mm-hmm. And those 
types of we're we're not calling that interposition. Yeah, it's not so, real interposition. No, blowing up a car that the doctor's in or those types of things are are anarchical. I mean, there there's no principle justification in God's word for that because of the distinguishing thing we're trying yeah. to trying to argue. And, and again, the the focus isn't so much that it's breaking the laws of the land, though it is it's part of right? that. It is part of that, but it's actually rebellion against God, mm-hmm. right? And that is what's important. And the reason I would say the central reason why it's not interposition is because it's not effective in actually doing what it says it's doing. Right. Right. So for example, if you were being attacked by somebody on the street and I went and just maybe beat up the guy really bad and tortured him. And then I let him get up and mug you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That isn't interposition, right? Now I did great violence to that person. I even tortured up something horrible and crazy and bizarre like that. And the only reason why I even bring up such a bizarre scenario is because that is exactly the kind of scenario we're talking about when somebody decides to go and do violence against an abortion clinic Mm -hmm. or abortion doctor is that they're doing something that they might feel as if they are being effective, but they're not actually being effective. Yeah. Because we have to make that distinction between a single act of violence and systemic problems like abortion. Because going and shooting an abortion doctor means that the woman who wants to get abortion has to reschedule. Right. Or go to the one across town or exactly th- find some way. Right. Because the a bigger problem is the system. The system is the problem. <laughs> the system is the problem. It's it's maybe trimming a twig on the branch of abortion on the tree of sin. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I don't think it's neutral. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it's neutral. And this is one reason why I, I feel like it has to be consistently condemned is that I don't think it's neutral. Where these kind of acts of violence prolongs and sustains abortion, Mm -hmm. where hypothetically they might have saved a life or two, right? Maybe a few women who were scheduled to get an abortion on that day at that clinic decided against abortion after that act. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe they went ahead Hypothetically, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know, but hypothetically. But how many years, how many years did abortion continue because of acts like this? Mm -hmm. Because every time there's something like this that happens, it hurts the cause of justice. Right. It hurts the cause. And anytime you do that, if you delay the abolition of abortion for one day, you are condemning thousands of lives. If you delay it for one day, if you delay it for a year, you're, you're, you're condemning hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to stress this so much. Because that single solution to that single day of abortion at that single abortion clinic isn't actually the solution to abortion. Mm -hmm. It's not the solution. And it's not interposition in the wider understanding of interposition with regard to the system being a problem. Yeah. You disrupted it for a second. Right. Maybe you go to jail. Yeah, maybe. We'll get into that in a little bit. And we have to to be consistent about this where – it is possible to do injustice towards an unjust man. Mm-hmm. It is possible to murder a murderer. Right. It's possible to steal from a thief. It's possible to abuse an abuser. Yeah. It's possible for all these things to happen. And just because somebody is a mass murderer, and they are, doesn't make it justified to go and murder them. Right. And I, I want to say a couple things just, again, when we think of this in terms of the covenant. So... At the foundation of all government is 
self, self-government. So you have uh, family, church, state, and all of those institutions are meant to perpetuate self-government, right? You think of the role of the church or the family. What is the role of the state? And in a lot of ways, those covenantal institutions are there to help make sure that self-government is achieved, right? So they're trying to drill down to that. So if that's the case, then let's let's like car- let's carry this over into the discussion on abortion. I'm reading from the abolition101.com website, um, immediatism being one of our main tenets of abolitionism. Immediatism is a no compromising strategy that does not accept any legal means or rhetoric that betray the very values we are seeking to establish. So that's when I think of interposition, I think of that. Just like those who would say, oh, let's get the heartbeat bill squared away. Right. Yay. Well, that actually betrays the very thing we're trying to achieve. No, you hit the nail on the head right there. Just like blowing up an abortion clinic. It or, betrays the very principles yes. we stand upon. Because yep. we, we stand upon the value and the dignity of image bearers of God. We stand against murder. Yeah. So for us to go and murder, to fight murder, is to betray our principles. And instead of completely. doing that... Instead, right. Instead of doing that, then you get a guy like Dan Fisher who runs for governor in Oklahoma, and he's unashamedly about the abolition of abortion. That's right. So you get a magistrate, you get behind a magistrate, that's representation, and you go to work and you seek and you fight tooth and nail to see to it that these abhorrent laws that protect abortion, most of them pro-life, by the way, <laughs> make sure that those all those things go away. So there, there's a covenantal representation. You have an agent who is, is exercising that authority. It's not just one guy, random guy, who is rightfully angry at the sin of abortion, taking matters into his own hands. So will the solution to the single act harm eventual abolition? That's why we're immediatists and not incrementalists. Amen. So. And hopefully that's clear. So we have those four points. Violence is only justified when it's justice when it's a, a act of just war, self-defense, or interposition. Mm-hmm. An interposition has to be real interposition, not just this hypothetical, wishy-washy, singular act that harms long-term goals. Right, because we don't do this stuff in a vacuum. These decisions are made and they have repercussions yeah. for the future, m- most definitely. So we, we having established those things then, let's kind of move into the righteous righteous forms of interposition. That's right. What are righteous forms of interposition and what are some that maybe we would say, mm, maybe they're not as righteous, <laughs> those sort of things. Well, there's lots of different historical examples of this. We could go through church history and think about different examples of individuals defending themselves and defending others that I would say are justified forms of interposition. Um, but I will say at least right now that one of the most prevalent examples of interposition in in at least recent um, Christian history is the rescue movement. Mm -hmm. And this was mostly in the 80s and 90s. And what this rescue movement was, it was a pro-life anti-abortion movement. And they, I I guess one could say, one of their um, specialized tactics or one of their more more, uh, widely um, known tactics would be like chaining themselves to the doors of abortion clinics or blocking the doors of abortion clinics. Sometimes they would uh, block abortionists' vehicles from their homes. Um, So it's basically putting their bodies physically between the abortionist and his victims Mm -hmm. or her victims. 
So it's a very literal, very physical form of interposition. And it wasn't violent. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. They weren't going and shooting abortionists. They weren't fighting anybody. They're just literally placing their own bodies between themselves and the abortionist. Which we like that the nonviolent aspect. Right. That's and, a pro. And I think at the height of the movement, I, I wasn't there. I'm, I'm way too young for this. Mm-hmm. But I, I have some good friends who were there for much of this. Um, I think there was a lot of good there. And I believe they even saved a lot of lives. Because at its height, they were, they were shutting down abortion clinics in entire major cities for days, if not weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to get somebody on the show to know more of the details yeah, of the yeah, history yeah. of it. Uh, but the basic principle was there, that they were saving lives on that short-term basis. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we have some criti- criticisms of some of those tactics, uh, just like we were talking about when it came to uh, interposition, is that we are mediatists. So we're trying to strike the, strike the root, not the branch. Mm-hmm. And Although the rescue movement was shutting shutting down abortion clinics for a limited amount of time in particular cities, it wasn't actually gaining long-term abolition. Mm-hmm. It wasn't focused on the legislation so much and the changing culture so much because abolitionism focused very mu- focuses very much on actually changing culture while the rescue movement was very clinic-centric. Yeah, yeah. They're very focused on the abortion clinics. And I'm not saying we shouldn't go to abortion clinics, right? Right, right. Um, But there's a certain focus that was different. So they're yeah. very clinic-centric. Uh, it was short-term. And also, to be perfectly blunt, there were also just a lot of people involved in the movement that were not like-minded with theologically. So that could be Roman Catholics, for example, mm-hmm. or even certain cults. Um, but Or like, like hyper-charismatics. But there's also a lot of good people, Reformed right. Christians, uh, theonomists. John Piper... Yeah, participated in that and exactly to jail, and um, I mean you have men like Gary North defended them, uh, John Frame defended them, and I think a lot of what they did actually saved lives. But it was short term focused and clinic centric. Mm-hmm. Well, and so you brought this up, and I just want to clarify too, because with regard to what abolitionists, what we tend to say is that the tree that we want to chop down to take the ax to the root, the ax that we're holding is the law and gospel of God. We want to go to the root of the humanist tree, the autonomous tree, the, the tree that is built on uh, the rebellion that Adam and Eve had um, you know, perpetrated and, and put into the world. Yeah. So abortion is a wicked, nasty, disgusting branch on that tree. It's a bad branch, no doubt. It's a huge one. It's on there with the Federal Reserve. <laughs> it's on there with executive power and humanist governments and uh, all sorts of lawlessness that goes on in our in our in our nation and world. So, but to take the axe to the root, that's part of the long term strategy. And what is that root? Yeah, well, that's the the root of idolatry. That's right. It's idolatry. Humanism kind of fueling this autonomous lust and, and idolatry being the ultimate problem. So you're right. As far as the rescue movements go, um, you know, almost like taking a, a chainsaw and trying to to get at part of that branch. Yeah, you know? or uh, cutting off the head of like one head of a hydra. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where another head just sprouts right back up. Where their tactics were effective for a very limited amount of time in a very limited, you know, place. But as soon as they were gone, abortion started right up again. Mm-hmm. And we see that. And the the rescue movement effectively ended 
uh, at one point, and that was when the FACE Act was passed. I think it was 1994, if I remember right. Um, and the FACE Act was the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. Yep, 94. And it was particularly, it was specifically because of the rescue movement. Mm-hmm. This was pa- passed specifically because of the rescue movement. Now, before this act, um, rescuers were definitely being arrested. They were being abused. Um, they were being handcuffed, and there was a lot of different police brutality going on, even back then, of course. And um, But they weren't being charged with felonies. They were being charged with misdemeanors yeah. or uh, lesser crimes. But the FACE Act made it a federal felony to block a clinic act, uh, entrance, which yeah. is a huge deal. Signed by Bill Clinton, put into place to basically drop the hammer. I mean, yeah. th- that was a massive piece of legislation to get people away from the abortion clinics. Right. It was a clearly an act of defiance on the state's part because they're, you know, usually, well, Republicans too sometimes, but infanticidal maniacs who want this to go on mm-hmm. unabated. Yeah. So so that's that's the rescue movement. Again, pros and cons. Uh, and we readily acknowledge that we weren't there and, and all those sort of objections that we might get. Lots of courageous good men yeah. were. Uh, we are not trying to condemn it. Uh, we do have those criticisms. And I would even say like some people that, who I know personally, people that I've, I've held anti-abortion signs with mm-hmm. and I've ministered with, I've shared stages with, um, were like really significant leaders in that movement. Mm-hmm. And they've admitted publicly, you know, in speeches and, and podcasts that they don't think that these particular tactics of blocking doors is helpful for 2020 mm-hmm. or the modern movement. And in part, that's because of the FACE Act, but it's also because a lot of these men, men are coming to understand abolitionism better and they understand that it's a better tactic to try to change culture by the power of the gospel so that we can actually end abortion as opposed to temporarily stop mm-hmm. abortion in one particular city. Yeah, and and that's something we couldn't, we can't emphasize enough is the oh, yeah, gospel huge. being the primary means. That's the ax right there. Mm-hmm. That's the ax. When you understand that you're preaching the gospel, to truly preach the gospel, you are swinging that axe at the idolatry. Yeah. You're not looking at it and saying, look how great our gospel is. This is awesome. No, pick it up and swing the dang thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, an interposition is to put yourself in between you. Uh, I'm sorry. And put yourself in between somebody who is in harm's way of yeah. some sort. It is to put yourself in the way of injustice, uh, to act against inter, uh, injustice, to intervene against inter, uh, injustice. So there's a lot of different ways of doing this. Mm-hmm. And we want to end on the biggest, most important form of interposition there is. And, yeah. and Gary North mentioned it in that quote, who was that first interposer, if you will, maybe not the first, but like the biggest, most the significant ultimate, one. ultimate yeah. center of the world. Yeah. It's uh, Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Yeah. He interposed on behalf of us, sacrificed yeah. himself for us. And so to reflect that Christ-likeness, the single greatest, the single most effective, the single most powerful form of interposition we can ever do is to preach the gospel, mm-hmm. period. And that could be at abortion clinics. Mm-hmm. That could be in front of police departments. That could be in front of courthouses. That could be with anti-abortion signs, graphic images. That could be on street corners. That could be behind pulpits. Mm-hmm. It should be behind pulpits. It should be. <laughs> Sometimes it is. What is it? It's, it's, it's interesting. My friend Ron jokes a lot. He says he runs into all these pastors who are just preaching the gospel, but 
where are you just preaching the gospel? So we want to say that there's not like an either or. That's right. Here, pulpits should be preaching the gospel, the comprehensive nature of the kingdom, and so on and so forth. But yeah, we need to be active. Um, I have an opportunity in the next couple of weeks to speak at a couple different events on medical freedom. The big conversation in Virginia right now is the issue of medical freedom. Conversations about forced vaccination with the COVID nineteen vaccine that's being um, you know rushed to the market. So untested, just like every other vaccine. So part of my um, my passion is interposing in in that sense by speaking out. That's right, and you're and it. you're applying the gospel, to right? That. You're not just giving a um, abstract <laughs> kind of presentation yeah, yeah. of personal salvation. You are actually applying the gospel to injustice. Yep. Jesus is Lord over the of the civil, civil magistrate. So that has a lot to do with a lot of things. So that's right. That's part of gospel preaching. So yeah, signs, um, participating in social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good forms of of gospel interposition, making sure the message is getting out there, writing and evangelism, other means. So we want to have a comprehensive picture. I think that's what we're getting at, a comprehensive picture. Exactly. It's not one thing or another. Do we need more people on the streets? Yeah, we always need more people on the streets. Do we need more people writing well, probably, maybe, uh, depends on if you're good at it or not, I guess. But <laughs> mm-hmm. but we want people to see that the, what's in front of you is where God has put you. So go there, go there happily, joyfully, go there with the gospel, learn to find the idolatry, find the injustice, find the idolatry, what's sitting behind most of yeah. all of this um, injustice we see around us. It's an idolatry of the state. Statism is the God of the day. And you're absolutely right. Statism is the God that we are trying to slay through the power of the gospel. And because of that, we have to be very careful to not adopt the strategies and the tactics of the state against the state. Mm -hmm. Because adopting the strategies and tactics of the enemy only works for the enemy. Is that we are actually working differently. So even though we can be angry, righteously, even though we can be frustrated righteously, we shouldn't succumb to the temptation to act out in like violent ways that are disorderly. It's not thoughtful. It's not covenantal mm-hmm. and it's not justice. Right. And ultimately it's not going to be interposition. Mm-hmm. I want to read a quote here as we wrap up from North on page 91. He says, the churches of a nation must confront the specific evil that threatens to bring down God's wrath if the sin is not stopped. They must preach against the specific sin, organize people to fight against it, and teach them how to petition governments and organize politically. So there's layers to it. That's right. Layers to speaking out, talking to people at the coffee shop. Um, Evangelism can't just be, hey, you're going to hell. Here's Jesus. Does that include, (laughs) is that part of the conversation? I mean, maybe, probably, but worldview evangelism. Let's talk about vaccines. Let's talk about police officers and the, and the lawful duty of, of what it means to, to actually administer law versus um, with administrative law, common law, those types of things. Use those as opportunities to take the gospel, take the ax to the root into those areas. That's right. And, and we must, of course, not let off the gas. Yeah. We have, um, we have a few questions. Oh, yeah. We can yeah. just go through them really quick. Um, I don't have them right in front of me. 
uh, somebody asked about, and this is the classic example, right? Like, what about the Nazis? <laughs> what about the Nazis? So we're dealing yeah. with an incredibly oppressive government. I would say it goes back to what we we're talking about as far as covenantal thoughts go in representation. Yeah. Are you acting by yourself or are you acting on behalf of a group of people who are representing the nation that you're in? Mm-hmm. Because there were people even high in the government in Nazi Germany who were opposed to the Nazi party and opposed to Hitler. So those sort of acts that were constructive to topple that government and to enact some sort of justice, I feel like is much more similar to the American revolution than just a lone vigilanteism. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's other examples of what about in countries where the civil government is extremely ineffective. So I think yeah. one of the examples is like, what about in you know certain nations in South America or in Africa in which there's really no police and the police aren't going to do anything? So say, no justice at all. Judges are corrupt if exactly. there are judges. So could a Christian orphanage defend themselves against say um, you know militant Islamic fighters who are attacking? Absolutely, that's mm-hmm. going to be self defense. Mm-hmm. Could they go on the offense against them? I think so too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would even be a form of justice, and even I would say like long-term self-defense because there isn't that justice in that area. So they would have to actually take it upon themselves representatively for their people, for their community. Yeah. And I see even acting, almost acting like a sheriff, if you will. Right. And, and and yeah, and not, that's why organization is so huge. Right. It's not this anarchistic (laughs) thing, right? And the founding fathers had to do that. They had to organize themselves and they had the states or the colonies at the time coming together, organizing, of course, you had different continental conventions and all those sorts of things. But but that, like your example right there is huge. It's not just one guy, hey, everybody, guess what? I am now, as much as I'd like to say this, I am now the president of the United States. I've just declared it. Yeah. <laughs> now, I want to wish that on anybody. I mean, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> That's where we're at. But no, I, I think that, I think the point's well made. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to keep elaborating unnecessarily, but I think that that's where representation. Yeah. You know, lying lying to Nazis is is uh, seeking first the kingdom of God. You have uh, examples like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Um, you have the White Rose Society that were distributing pamphlets illegally. Most of them died. You got to count the cost. Yeah. Right. You have to count the cost. Yeah. yeah. Indeed, Jesus says as much. Awesome. Is that it for us? I think that's it. <laughs> if you have any questions about this episode, uh, please let us know. And we don't claim to know all the answers, and we wanted to come to this particular discussion with humility, uh, especially in regards to uh, movements of the past, like Operation Rescue. Mm-hmm. We, we're not trying to come down heavy on those men. Um, so let us know if we're wrong. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I'm willing to be to, to be challenged. I think both yeah. of us are because we've we've had just after our – um, worship gatherings on Sunday, we eat, we talk, and we just kind of hammer out these things. So we've been talking <laughs> about it for a yeah. couple of years now, just hammering it camera hammering it out. So yeah, it's it's good stuff. Well, all right, that's it. That's it. Good good stuff. Thanks, John, for your for yeah. your uh, wisdom there and, and sharing. And and I think that's going to be a wrap for us. So reminder: go to lambsrain.com slash ccr. You can find us on your podcast feeds. And we will look forward to joining with you next time. Grace and peace.